Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, everyone. How are we? So for those of you guys who don't know me, um, yeah, my name is Rachel, I'm Mandy's daughter-in-law, Josh's wife. Um, been a youth leader for a bunch of years, so I got wet hugs off these guys. I'm having a good morning. <laughs> so um, for those of you guys who um, weren't here last week, we're actually continuing on um, with our series on joy to the world. Andrew preached last week on finding joy in trials and tribulations and challenges and um, sometimes in the midst of fear and the different things that we face in life because who knows, we don't just kind of cruise through life, you know, without speed bumps, yeah? So this morning I actually want to talk to you guys about what is joy because I think the Christian concept of joy is a little bit different to how the world might view joy. Joy is not just feeling happy. It's not something that we work at or conjure up. And it's not actually dependent on our circumstances. It's not just being in a good mood or putting a smile on your face. I like that smile, though. <laughs> Galatians 5, verse 32 says that the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, and a bunch of other things. So joy is a fruit, okay? It's something that actually comes from the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. So joy isn't something that we actually chase after. And joy isn't our goal. Joy is the result. Instead, we are called to chase after his presence and to chase after the Holy Spirit and to increase these things in our lives. And these are the things that are supposed to be our focus. So I'm going to read um, that Psalm 16 um, from verse 5. Anyone read that? Okay, I can't read that one. That's too small. (laughs) Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness. Actually, is that the second one? Can we have this from verse 5, sorry? Go back one. That's all you've got? Okay, I'll read it from here then. Okay. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence 
there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So if joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit and of being in his presence, then we need to learn how to cultivate that. Okay? So um, I'm also Mike Edwards' daughter-in-law, and he knows a bit about growing things. So how do you grow fruit? Step one? Plant a tree. Okay. Step one, plant a tree. Good answer, Mike. First of all, <laughs> dig a hole. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, dear. We've had some holes over the years, haven't we? Okay. First of all, you have to plant a tree and then you have to care for it. Okay? You make sure that you water it, you feed it, and you prune it. Now, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then the tree is planted. If you don't, then come and talk to someone about that today and and find out what that's about. Have a chat to Jack. He seems to know what he's talking about. (laughs) He loves it when I dob him into stuff. (laughs) But if you're not seeing much fruit in your tree, if you you know Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, but you're like, you know, Rachel, I'm just, I'm not just not seeing the joy in my life, then maybe you need to be having a look at how you care for that tree in your life. So, step two, we need to feed our tree. And I want to ask you what you're feeding your tree. So, um, I had this conversation, um, I've had this conversation with a couple of the young guys. Um, I like running these ideas past the young guys. They give me great reactions. But I'm going to ask you guys, I want you to imagine that you woke up one day and for breakfast you had a packet of chips and a can of soft drink. For morning tea, you had half a bag of lolly snakes. I love lolly snakes. For lunch, you had chicken nuggets and another can of soft drink. For afternoon tea, you finished off that bag of lolly snakes and polished off a block of chocolate. For dinner that night, you had barbecue meat lovers pizza from Pammy's up the road. Everyone knows that's the best barbecue meat lovers pizza in town, but it is very sweet. And another can of soft drink, or if you prefer, an entire bottle of wine. How do you think you would feel at the end of that day? Okay, yep. What about if you repeated that process for a week? How do you reckon you would feel at the end of the week? Sicker, yeah? How do you think you would feel if you repeated that process for a year? Chubby? <laughs> Sluggish? Tired? Acid reflux? <laughs> you wouldn't expect health or growth from that kind of diet, would you? You would expect to feel tired sick, slow, unmotivated, like just kind of, sorry, addicted to, the, addicted to the sugar hit and not very motivated to get out there and do anything more. And yet it is no different when we consider what we are consuming in our spiritual lives. And so many of us consume junk day after day and expect to be spiritually fit. And it doesn't work that way. So I want you to ask yourselves, What are you consuming in your lives as far as culture goes? Um, Media, you know, what are you watching on on television? 
Um, the television programs that you watch, the social media that you engage in. Who knows that Facebook can be a toxic place? The music that you listen to, the friends that you hang out with, their attitudes, their beliefs, whether they are encouraging you or pulling you down, the hobbies that you engage in. All of these things have an, an impact on our spiritual health. Now, um, I was a child of the 80s and 90s, so um, if you also are, then you will know what I'm talking about. If you weren't, maybe you might know. Um, who remembers the healthy diet pyramid from primary school? Anyone have no idea what I'm talking about? Okay. Oh, yeah, of course, not Australia. Wow, cool. Okay, so in school we were taught about this healthy diet pyramid, if you can imagine, and up the top there's this small section and in that section they placed all the things that, that you should only really include in your diet on occasions, things like lolly snacks um, and chocolate and probably pizza. <laughs> up the... Um, we don't want... No, we've got... Okay, so up the top we've got the things that are, yeah, you, you have occasionally. In the middle you've got the stuff that you, you kind of, you include in your diet. That's, you know, that stuff is fine, you know, it's fine. And then the, down the bottom is supposed to be all the stuff that um, is really good and healthy for you and contributes to growth and health and should make up the basis of what you eat. So I want to have a just transform that for a moment into a spiritual healthy diet pyramid. So up the top, we have the things that are okay occasionally. You know, we, we don't want to remove ourselves completely from the world and who knows that sometimes you go to work and your workmates' attitudes are not godly and you can't remove yourself from that. We also don't want to separate ourselves from the world. We're called to be salt and light in the dark places but we do need to watch our exposure and make sure that they're not making up the majority of our diet. Some things are straight up toxic and we're going to talk about those in a little bit later, but a lot of things we just kind of have to keep them in check. Yeah? Then you've got the middle category. There's nothing wrong with this stuff in the middle. It's fine. I like Irish music. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. It's quite positive, you know, you dance a jig, but it's not contributing to my spiritual growth. Then you have the bottom category, and this one is my favourite. This is the stuff that speaks to my spirit. This is the music that speaks God's truth and brings me into his presence. This is reading the word, spending time in prayer, um, lifting up my voice in worship. I'm a worship leader. Um, you know, it's often me up here leading the songs. Spending time waiting on God, waiting to hear from God. Spending time in fellowship with people who will remind me of God's word and his truth when I can't see it for myself. Thank you, Julie. This stuff is nourishment to my spiritual bones. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Or some translations say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we need to make sure that we're feeding our tree with the things that nourish us, grow us, build us and heal us 
by pressing into God to transform us day by day and provide the building blocks for a healthy and growing tree that produces fruit. And especially if we're feeling weak or broken or like joy is just out of reach, perhaps we need to put ourselves on a diet. Um, you know, I've spoken to a few people recently about, you know, well, what music are you listening to? And although that might be okay, you know, maybe right now for you, that stuff is just not where you should be. And maybe you need to actually have a think about what you're actually putting in because, you know, feeling a bit lousy. If you've been sick, if you've been run down, you wouldn't recover by eating pizza and chocolate during your recovery period. Um, Andrew loves to cycle. When you've done a big, hard race, you feed your body what it needs to rebuild muscle. When we've been sick, when we're you know, in bed and we're re recovering from a sickness, what do we eat? You know, like if you've had a, a tummy bug, you might eat toast, or um, if you had a cold or flu, you might have soup. Things that are easy to digest, that are, that are nourishing and actually build us up, and the same goes in the spiritual realm. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So if you've been feeling a little bit sluggish spiritually, um, perhaps, you are, perhaps you need to consume a little bit less of what belongs in that top section of the healthy diet pyramid, spiritual diet pyramid, and a whole lot more of what belongs in that bottom section. Check your music, your social media, your television programs, your busy schedule that doesn't leave time for waiting on God. And just make that a priority. And check the, the people that you're hanging out with. Hang out with, some, hang out with people who will encourage you and build you up in the things of God. So once we've fed our tree, the third thing we need to do is we need to prune our tree. Pruning's never pleasant. <laughs> but we need to take time to prune our trees. Sometimes there will be branches that don't produce fruit and they just take energy away from our tree. But sometimes there will be branches that are diseased and full of rot and will spread death throughout our tree, killing any fruit-bearing branches that we do have. And I'm going to call these things joy thieves. So we've got a, post, a, a thing on joy thieves. We'll pop that up. Okay, here are our first ones. Worry, fear, anxiety, depression, conflict, bitterness, unforgiveness, Resentment, covetousness. Now, this is a word that the Bible uses, and you don't really see it out and about in the world a whole lot. It means wanting what they've got and not being content with what you have, um, particularly if it drives you to the point of being completely dissatisfied with your own life and wanting it so bad that you end up, you know, like it, it leads to sin. Insecurity. Sin and particularly willful sin, tragedy and hurt. These things will steal your joy. And I've got a, a little catchphrase here for you all to remember. 
I'm going to put that one up, please. Don't let Satan steal your joy. Now, it was about 15 years ago, I think, I first heard this um, phrase by, from my sister-in-law, Lisey. Um, I can't remember whether she came up with it or whether she heard a message about it, but it has absolutely stuck with me. We don't fight in a, a physical battle. We fight a spiritual battle, and the devil loves to make us ineffective by putting us down and demotivated and bleh. Yeah? Now, now that we've identified all these horrible things, what's the antidote to these things? And I would suggest the antidote to every single one of these ones is truth. God's truth. The antidote to fear is knowing God's word says he will never leave us nor forsake us, Hebrews 13.5, and that all the days of our lives were written in his book before even a single day had passed at Psalm 139. The antidote to unforgiveness and bitterness is knowing that we serve a just God who first forgave us and who calls us to forgive others, Ephesians 4.32. The antidote to covetousness, love that word, is knowing my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory, Philippians 4.19, and that he made me the way that I am with all the strengths that I have and the flip side of that to fulfill the purpose that he set for me and that I should not compare myself to others. 1 Corinthians 12:15, paraphrased. Immerse yourselves in truth so that the devil can't sell lies to you. So that when this stuff comes up, you go, "No, that's not true." And it might, you, you might need to, you know, you might need to press into God and consume that stuff down the bottom of the healthy spiritual diet pyramid, but there's truth in that. You need to learn to recognise God's voice and the voice of the devil and how to tell the difference. Now, um, I'm going to give you a little example here. And um, I know there's a couple of guys I've tried this out on who are going to be shaking in their boots right now. I won't use names. Um, <laughs> but the voice of the devil is really quite distinct. Another word for the devil is Satan or the Satan, which means the accuser. Oh my goodness. Did you really do that? Wow. You're a horrible person. You did it, you did it again. You've done that before. You, you thought you could change. You can't change. You never change. Imagine if people found out. Imagine if the people at church found out. Imagine if people knew what went on in your head. You have no right to be in church. You have no right to be standing up the front. You should resign from all forms of ministry right now. Why do you even bother getting up in the morning? Just stay in bed. For some of us, that's a really familiar voice. There's a reason I know it. The voice of God is very different. The voice of God says, this thing, it stops here. This isn't for you. My word says that this is not the life that I have planned for you. I have far more planned for you. I created you and I created you with a purpose and I love you and I love you through the worst of the worst of the worst and I love you more today than I did yesterday. Get up. You have a purpose. Don't you dare lay down. I have far more planned. I am not finished with you yet and I will walk beside you every step of the way. The voice of the devil will make you want to crawl under your doona and hide from the world because of your shame. 
The voice of God will make you want to rise up and do better because of the hope that you have and his love that will always, always encompass you. Remember John 10.10 says, The thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have have life more abundantly. In Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, which is in the Old Testament, a bit of backstory, uh, you've got the nation of Israel has been in exile in in Babylon for 70 years. A whole generation has has never known what it is to live in the promised land or to be self-governed, to have God as their God. They've always lived under this um, quite uh, pagan nation. And um, they return to Israel and all the people assemble together in chapter 8 and they ask Ezra the priest to read the book of the law. And as they did, the people began to weep because they were aware that they had not kept God's law and that they had sinned. But Nehemiah and the Levite priests who were interpreting the law for people and and teaching and going around urged the people, go and celebrate with feasts of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is a place for sorrow when we become aware of our sin, but our knowledge of our sins should never be bigger than our knowledge of Jesus as our Saviour. So when we're convicted of sin, we know that God is working in us and we can have joy because uh, we can have joy. And the joy of his salvation at work within us, is our strength because it is a mighty weapon against those lies. We're not staying there. We're getting up and we're moving on. So what's the next step? After we've pruned our tree, we're dealing with those things and we're putting truth in, we're consuming good stuff. Number four, put God first in all things. Yeah, let it grow. There's a song about that. Sorry, I've been going back to... What's the movie? The Lorax. Let it grow. Just find a little crack and put that seed in there. It doesn't need a huge amount of room. Actually, that's really good. Has anyone seen the Lorax? I'm going off script here. You've seen the Lorax? Okay, and there's like everything's fake. The grass is fake. The ground is fake. They don't, like, you know, try and plant the trees out in the fields where there's dirt somewhere over there. You know, it's hard to get out there. Instead, they just make a crack right in the middle of the fake grass and they shove the seed in there and the tree grows. Okay? Back on script. We'll get back to that. So maybe you're sitting there thinking, but Rachel, I don't have joy. My life is a mess. I, I have to clean up my life. You can see where I'm going here with this now. I have to clean up my life first before I can bring God in, and I don't think I've got the strength to do that. But remember where we started, we don't chase after the joy. Joy isn't the goal. Joy is the result. Instead, we chase after his presence and his Holy Spirit, and these are the things that need to be our focus, and we need to take care of these things first. So like the Lorax, um, back when Josh and I were first married, going back about two decades now. Um, It's been a while. It's been a good while. 
We had, um, when we first got married, we lived in, a, in this house in town and uh, we were the oldest ones of our family group and our friends to get married and, and so our house kind of became like, you know, the place where all the young people assembled and kind of, you know, a bit of a drop-in centre kind of thing. And in our lounge room we had a coffee table which was about that big by about that big and it was always covered in junk. Everything. There was plates and bowls and cups and cans and bottles and Macca's rubbish and bits of paper and wrappers and everything. There was always like about half a dozen people in the house and nobody except me cleaned up. Um, and during that time, um, God really spoke to me about, when, about getting our lives right so that, to make room for him. Because every time I tried to put something on the coffee table, I'd kind of clean off a corner, you know, take a few things off the edge and I'd put something on the coffee table and then people would pile more stuff on the coffee table and it would kind of just get everything just get pushed off and stuff would fall off and onto the floor. And God was like, this is, you can't wait to make room for me. Don't do that. Just plonk me right in the middle of the coffee table. Pop me in there right in the middle of the mess and then focus on making me bigger. And as I grow, like the, the seed in the crack in the pavement, as I grow, I will push all of that other stuff off. The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In Psalm 118, verse 24. Don't wait until you've cleaned up your mess and your life is perfect. Dump God right in the middle of the mess. Trust me, he is big enough to handle it. After all, joy doesn't come from having a perfect life with no mess and neat edges. It comes from making space for God to work in our lives. I'm going to ask the band to come up if they could. Now, there is a real danger when we try to be fruitful on our own, fruitful on our own and in our own strength. What I'm talking about here is not just positive thinking and positive confession. I'm not talking about walking around and repeating to yourself, I'm full of joy, I'm full of joy, and, and hoping if you say it enough, you'll manifest it and somehow it'll magically become a reality. There is nothing wrong with, with having a positive attitude. It's important. It's important to watch your speech. But we need to make sure that it is grounded in truth, in God's truth. Everyone know the parable about the wise man builds his house on the rock and the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. When the trials and, and troubles of this life come along, the man who built his house on the rock stood firm. And the man, but the man who built his house on the sand watched as his house was washed away. You guys can... The great irony in all of this is that the man who builds his house on the rock, that is the man who builds his house on the truth of God, ends up doing less work than the one who built his house on the sand because it's God who builds the house. And God is the one who gives us joy because we know his love. We know his saving grace. We know his forgiveness. We know his purpose for our lives. We know his peace. Sometimes we can't explain it. Sometimes we're invited along to youth and we just keep coming back and we're not exactly sure quite why. But there is something incredibly um, 
precious about knowing what it is to have a relationship with your Creator, with the one who made you, who made you exactly the way that you are, calling out to you and saying, just take time with me because I see you and I love you. We know what it is to be in the presence of our Creator and we know that in His presence there is fullness of joy and that joy comes from knowing Him, knowing His love, His grace, His forgiveness, His purpose and His peace and that is our strength. And so I'm going to um, ask the band to play this song, Nothing Else. Um, because I think it's really important that we remember there is nothing else but God and our pursuit of Him. Nothing else does it. Um, you, can, you can try everything else under the sun. Nothing else does it. And I want to encourage and invite you guys to, to just spend, we've, we've finished, we've, we've still got about five minutes left. We're just going to play this song. You can take some time. You can sit, you can pray, you can sing, you can stand, you can lift your hands, you can pray, whatever, whatever you want to do. And we're going to have an altar call. And if anyone would like prayer, I invite you to come forward and we'll pray for you. Um, then I'm just going to say there's, there's tea and coffee up the back here. There's a coffee cart in the foyer. Um, if you're, when we're, when we're done, if you want to make your way to those things, it's a beautiful day outside. There's t t um, picnic tables and things out here. But we're just going to have some space here up the front where, we can, where people can pray and um, really just spend some time in his presence. Amen. Thank you guys so much.